Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Goal Line Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Seifer, also known as No Huddle NFL on TikTok and Instagram. That is No Huddle NFL with no capitals and no spaces. Also available on Twitter at No Huddle NFL with an underscore at the end. That is, again, at No Huddle NFL with an underscore at the end. You might notice this episode is not a Wednesday like usual. I know last week's was also on Thursday. If you want to know what episode is scheduled, you got to follow that Twitter because that's where I do these quick updates where we might be moving an episode oh, a day earlier or a couple days later. That happens a decent amount. And that's been because I'm having so many guests on recently with the get with the draft coming up. And I want to introduce today's guest. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, so I'm uh, Stephen Felka, uh, Elsped on TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, basically every platform besides Instagram because I try to run that and I get new growth. So that's Elsped, E-L-S-P-E-D-D with two Ds at the end. Can I ask you, where did the name Elsped originally come from? <laughs> so there, it, it's an acronym, okay? Mm-hmm. L, as in like Spanish, the, right? Mm-hmm. And then SP is Stephen Pavelka, elaborates on downs and distances. So it's kind of like a football reference, but shortened down. Mm. All right. Yeah, because when I first saw your account, or I guess I didn't really pick up on it until I got a couple videos in. But I was like, what is that name really supposed to be? It's a really unique one. I got to give you a lot of credit. Like even my name, I'll admit very generic, just no huddle NFL. And there's yeah. plenty of other people that are just their name talk sports. I really give you a lot of credit for doing a unique kind of take on your username. I mean, if I left it the normal name as long as that was, what is that, like five or six words? <laughs> yeah. So I had to shorten it down some way, and I didn't want to be generic. Like, you know, Elite Takes is one of the most popular creators, and it's Elite Takes, so. A hundred percent. And that's one of the biggest things in this industry is trying to really be different, be the outlier. And that's something I think you do very, very well. So we're pretty much only going to be talking about the draft in this episode, but I do really quickly want to ask you, and I'm sorry that I didn't write this in the topics that I want to talk about in today's episode, uh, because I, I sent you the topics a couple days back. There was some news that broke a couple hours ago, and I'm very curious to get your take on it. We got Buda Baker, one of the top safeties in the NFL, still requesting a trade. What do you think of that entire situation? Yeah, so he's been wanting to get a new contract uh, for a while. I've never been high on Buda Baker. I think I've made multiple videos. If I haven't, I've definitely commented on others saying that I'm not high on Buda Baker. I think there's plenty of other better safeties. I have Buda, I think he came in this year after the season as like my safety 11. So he's a borderline top 10 safety, in my opinion, where other guys have a 100% top 10. And it's just another thing, kind of like the Devin White situation. They want more money than what I think they think, or than what I think they should get. So it's kind of just contract. Arizona really doesn't have much of a bright future. I mean, they're looking to trade their best player in DeAndre Hopkins. Their quarterback can't stay healthy. So if you want to win, you might want to go somewhere else. If you want a contract, it doesn't seem like Arizona wants to give that to you. So why not just get out and see if you can get both? I feel like this is something that really should work out well for both sides. I know I just commented on how good I think Buda Baker really is. And you disagree there, which I get. He's not true. He's not a true 
traditional safety. He's very unique in terms of the way he's used. But I think it would be very good for both sides for Buda Baker to get out of there if the Cardinals can get the right capital in return. What do you consider the right capital here? I mean, we've been seeing players getting traded for, I would say, way less than what the average fan perceives them should getting traded for, like Jalen Ramsey getting a fifth and Hunter Long. Um, so I don't think you're getting really much for Buda Baker, especially if the team getting them knows he has to get another contract. That's going to be in the negotiations. So I'm thinking maybe a second round pick. I think that that's seems, a fair trade. Yeah, that seems about accurate. It could. I'm expecting it to drop a little bit below that. But I think even then, you look at how much of these coaches, these teams seem to value draft picks. Like you said, the Jalen Ramsey trade was a perfect example of that. The Stefan Gilmore trade, the Brandon Cooks trade also yes. displayed that. And it's become very clear over the past couple of years that these coaches see any pick, whether it's a seventh rounder, sixth rounder, fifth rounder, fourth rounder, whatever, they see them all as like these lottery tickets. And obviously the earlier the pick is the better, but if you could get a fourth round pick, there's a chance that you get an absolute bona fide stud. And that's why it's really difficult to say, Oh, that was a bad trade because they only got a sixth-round pick, fifth-round pick. You got to see who the player is first. And I'm someone that believe. I told you I really like Buda Baker. There have been safeties that got traded for first-round picks in recent history. Jamal Adams, Minka Fitzpatrick. And I think Buda Baker really should be one of those guys. But now it's too close to the draft. I think they lose a lot of leverage because of that. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with the lottery thing. I mean, you look at the first round and you get, like, guys that should be bona fide studs and they just end up not working out, whether that's the team they went to or they just weren't skilled enough as people thought they were. So it's not like you're getting a surefire player with a draft pick by any means. And that's why most people say, oh, this guy, we know what we're getting out of him. He's a stud. Let's go grab him rather than taking those draft picks. We saw that with the Rams. We're seeing that with the Dolphins. It's just a thing that's going to keep happening with teams like that. And it's something, like you said, the Rams, they've shown it could really work for you. Yeah, It definitely could. But then you also look at a team like the Bengals. Why are they so good right now? Because of a combination of good free agency moves and doing really well in the draft. Yeah, or even the Eagles last year. Oh, yeah, they're another perfect example of that. But even they got involved a little bit in the trade market, too. They don't make it to the Super Bowl without A.J. Brown. We all know that. Yeah, and he's their only guy that wasn't drafted on their offense. So, Yeah, exactly. So it really is a mixture of the two, although obviously the most important thing is drafting. But draft day trades are a huge part of this entire process. So I'm sorry to give you another question that I didn't ask you about in the topics, but which other players do you expect to be traded during the draft, if any? Um, I wouldn't – There, I mean, I would say rumored players. I wouldn't mind to see them getting traded like DeAndre Hopkins and things. Um, but there's other guys that just maybe haven't performed as well as they could have in the past. And you look at guys like uh, 
I mean, Hunter Henry was talked about getting traded, but that's probably not going to happen. I think New England likes him too much. But I mean, Kyle Pitts, maybe if they see somebody that they like, why don't you That'd back be up? really interesting. I mean, it just it's doesn't... a possibility because I find it really weird. They drafted Kyle Pitts, the same coaching staff drafted him. And they use him in the worst way possible. Yeah, they just used him completely different. There's things that he did wrong. There's things that his quarterbacks did wrong. And it just wasn't a good situation for anybody. But if they just want to cut ties, they have Johnny Smith. And they could get somebody. This is a stacked tight end class. They could get somebody that replaces him. They definitely could. And someone that I think fits what they want to do with the tight end much better. Because you don't draft Kyle Pitts to use him as an in-line traditional tight end. That's just... I can't believe that they're actually going about doing that. Yeah. I mean, they also could just see, hey, maybe this isn't the best way to use him, and then he turns around and makes like three straight all pros. But, I mean, it could go one of two ways, one being very successful and one being you're out of here. So, How about any of the Broncos receivers? you expect to see any of them get traded or no? No. I believe Sean Payton when he says that we're not trading any of those guys. I don't think any of them really have a big trade uh, market. I mean, I don't think any besides really Jerry Judy have been that productive, and Jerry Judy most recently been productive. Before that, really, never. never. The Ravens also apparently pursued Cortland Sutton, uh, but the Broncos turned them down, which, like you said, shouldn't be too surprising if you listen to what Sean Payton said. Pretty much, re- I don't want to say rejecting the rumors of them being traded, but he did definitely shut them down. Yeah, I mean, he said that he listens to everything, but he's not doing it. So (laughs) that's as definite as you're going to get from a head coach. So when you look at how the draft is going, right, you look at the top couple of picks, there's really one pick that stands out to most people as one that will 90% chance get traded, and that's Arizona at three. Which teams do you think should be pursuing that spot? Yeah, so first of all, I want to say if I'm Arizona – I'm not trading back unless I'm for certain I can get Jalen Carter because that's the only way I feel comfortable trading back. But teams that I wouldn't mind trading up, maybe Las Vegas if they really want to go quarterback because you got teams ahead of them that could kick just uh, choose their quarterback, which is uh, Indy. So if they want to do that, but also sticking the quarterback route, Atlanta. We just talked about them with Kyle Pitts. They have Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke. Neither one of them are going to win you games. So if you want to jump not only the Raiders, but also Indianapolis, trade with Arizona. So I want to backpedal a little bit to what you said about Arizona maybe not trading the spot unless they're certain about getting Jalen Carter. Yes. Now, I'm very aware of how great of a player Jalen Carter is. This is really nothing about him. However... Arizona, I think that they're in a spot where they have so many holes as a team. Trading back, I think, is kind of the no-brainer here, no? Because they need so much. They need to bring in so much young talent. They need to bring so many new players in because it's a new coaching staff, too. I think they almost have to trade back whether or not they could get Jalen Carter, no? I don't disagree with the idea that they have all these uh, holes to fill. But my thing is, Jalen Carter, since I started watching the draft, is my highest-graded defender ever. He's my highest-graded player ever. I think Jalen Carter is a bona fide stud if you get rid of those off-the-field issues. He was my number one overall pick for the longest time before it became uh, Carolina, where they have to get a quarterback. So I think Jalen Carter is a no-brainer. 
that's who I want if I'm Arizona. And that's where you start getting, I mean, what, Quinn and Williams and Aaron Donald, maybe are the best, best prospects besides Jalen Carter in the recent decade. So that's the kind of guy you're getting is compared to those guys. So if they keep that number three spot, you think 100% the right move would be to go Jalen Carter? Yes, but I wouldn't deny if they went edge with, like, Will Anderson. Mm. I, I'm i not. Like, I can absolutely see it on Jalen Carter's film. He's a stud. But it's definitely not something that you could just say, let's fix the off-field issues. Let's fix that. You know, he was also a rotational player at Georgia. I mean, everyone on Georgia's D-line is rotational. So I don't know how much that really is a knock on him. And then there's also some rumors about his stamina not being overly great either. So I struggle to say Jalen Carter is such a damn good prospect that at that Arizona can't trade back. So so my thing is I take one I take 95% of the stock into my grades on the film I watch, right? I watched 150 prospects this year, 130 last year. What I watch is what I believe I am getting. And Jalen Carter is somebody who stands out when you watch not only this year's Georgia defense, but last year's where they had those first-round caliber D tackles. Two of them went in the first round. Mm -hmm. So he stands out every time you watch him play. The only real issues, and I mean, you look at guys like Trevor Lawrence. He was knocked for maybe not being the leader everybody wanted out of a quarterback, but he's balling right now. So you got these knocks that could be an issue, but if you watch them play enough and you see, I like this, I like this, I like this, compared to not liking maybe one thing, I think that's a risk you got to take. Yeah, and I mean, it, it was kind of the same mentality that the Cowboys had when they took Micah Parsons, and look at how that paid out. So I guess I do see it. I guess I do. But I still think, personally, I understand the difference here. I think it is just an agree-to-disagree situation we have here. If I'm Arizona, I have to trade back just because the assets that you want to bring in. Yeah, and I don't hate that. My thing is, if you trade back, how far are you trading back? Because like, if you're trading out of the top 10, are you going to get a stud like I mean like we mm-hmm. said it's a lottery so the later yeah. you trade back the potentially worst players you get obviously first round pick still first round pick but it's not a top 10 pick you don't have those extra 10 guys so it really depends where they trade back what they actually get they could trade back and get three first round picks and I sit to you're saying that's great and they miss on Jalen Carter and that's exactly it right they're a team that needs someone to build around. So I would understand taking a Jalen Carter, a Will Anderson at three. But I also think if they trade back with Detroit, I think they're a team that would really want to trade up to that three spot and they take Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. I think Seattle is another team they could trade up, take either of those two guys, or even take Anthony Richardson, possibly. I'm big on Geno Smith. But Anthony Richardson's ceiling's pretty damn high, and Pete Carroll does a really good job developing quarterbacks, really good track record. And then Atlanta's another team, like you said, I think they could also trade trade up with Arizona and all those teams top 10. So I think even if you trade back, maybe you miss out on the Jalen Carters. Maybe you miss out 
on the Will Andersons. But you could still get Kristen Gonzalez or some other player that you could build the rest of your defense around. Yeah, I mean, there's teams that I just have issues with them trading up. I have issues with Seattle. I mean, I'm a Geno Smith guy as well. You gave him, what, a three-year extension? I think that's your guy. If that's not your guy, okay, what are you doing with Drew Locke? Like, he is a capable starter in the NFL at his ceiling. Yeah. Maybe maybe not right now, but you have two capable starters, potentially. So I don't see the Anthony Richardson thing. I understand where that's coming from. And edge, this edge class is one of the most loaded I've ever seen. There's like 12 edge rushers that could be borderline elite in the NFL. So I don't see the reason why you would trade up and get a Will Anderson when you could stay put and get like Tyree Wilson or even maybe in the second round, Felix and UDK Uzama. Try saying that 10 times fast. But those are guys that have start level potential. Is it worth trading a first, a third, and maybe two fifths or something like that to move up three spots? Now, what about a team like Detroit that I think you look at it? Their roster is pretty close to complete. I can't believe I'm saying that about the Detroit Lions, but they don't have too many holes to fill. They're a team I think is really likely to trade up to that three spot. Probably my favorite team to do it. Yeah, I mean, I do think that they have like when you get to like good level, good team level potential, they have like these rich people problems to say, like they could get another receiver, but they kind of have three guys that could start in Jamison Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown and uh, Marvin Jones. So you don't need a receiver, but it would help. And it's like, they have issues like that. Their only massive need I would say is tight end. And that's about it. They have the DBs. Maybe inside linebacker, but it depends how high you are on Malcolm Rodriguez. Um, Alex Anzalone's there as well. They just have rich people problems in the NFL world. So I wouldn't mind a trade-up. I don't like it just for the reasons I said. But The good thing about them is they also have that later first-round pick. If this trade that they do with Arizona, hypothetically, if it were to happen, involves the second-rounder instead of the other first-rounder, and they're able to keep that other first-rounder drafted tight end there, and then they take Will Anderson to pair with Anthony Richardson or Jalen Carter to put on the defense. Did I say Anthony Richardson instead of Aiden Hutchinson? I believe you did. (laughs) (laughs) If they get Will Anderson on the other side of Aiden Hutchinson, not the Florida Gators quarterback, or Jalen Carter with Aiden Hutchinson, that defense becomes so much more scary and they didn't really miss out on much because that second round pick, while they could still get a good edge there, I think everyone in Detroit would rather have the best edge in the class. Yeah, I mean, that'd be two years in a row that you almost did that. It depends how high you're on Kayvon. But yeah, I don't I don't mind that. I mean, it's kind of iffy because, again, it's a lottery. So you don't know how these players are going to pan out. You could just say, hey, we're going to sit here. We like what we've seen from these guys. But you could also trade up. All right. So I, I think Detroit is my favorite team to trade up. If a team were to trade up for the pick from Arizona, what's your favorite? Trade up to Arizona's pick? Yeah. Uh, Atlanta. I do like Atlanta getting a quarterback. Mm. Yeah, and that's completely understandable. Although I think 
Atlanta just strikes me as one of those teams that just want to build the foundation around the quarterback first and then draft the quarterback. But then the problem is how much time does Arthur Smith have, right? Is he willing to do that? And that becomes a completely different question, although they're really interlinked. So you can continue. Sorry. I was just going to say, I feel like the NFL landscape is bigger on Taylor Heineke than the fans are. Like, I'm not high on Taylor Heineke. He was in my late 20s for the quarterback position. But I feel like they think, okay, Desmond Ritter might not be the guy. He showed some flashes last year, but nothing more than a game manager. Now we have Taylor. And that's not really a vital option, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that quarterback situation, if they don't bring anyone in, should be an interesting one, but I can't imagine it going further than just this year. So this draft class has a lot of defensive studs, and I think there's a very clear top tier of guys in this class, but I want to hear how you think the top tier of guys will change how defenses are ran, right? If a team gets a... Will Anderson, who I imagine is one of your top three game changers on the defense side of the ball. How does that change how a team will run their defense? Or even who are your other two guys? If Will Anderson isn't on there, who are your other three? Yeah, so Will Anderson isn't on my list. Um, I don't think he's that much better than the other edges in this class, even though I do have him as edge one. Um, But, I mean, a defensive stud – that's not only on a rookie contract, but young in general can be so impactful for your team. I mean, if you get somebody like Aaron Donald, who's a perennial all pro and you're getting that from his what last three of his first four years on his rookie deal, that's such a good thing to have. Um, Really high bar though. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the thing there. That's kind of what you're aiming for. Not always what you get, but no, my top three, I kind of looked at, Ceiling, obviously. I looked at floor, and I looked at just overall the player. Because you can get somebody who has a high floor but might not have a high ceiling. What? Who has the best mix of all of those things? And um, number one, Jalen Carter. I think yeah, he has I the highest, highest ceiling in this class. He has one of the highest floors in this class. I'm extremely high on him. Number two is Tyree Wilson, who's been getting a lot more hype. When I watched him, he didn't have nearly as much hype, so I was kind of bold for putting him as, like, edge four where where I have him. Um, But, no, I mean, his physical just makeup, he's a freak. He's extremely long, he's extremely strong, and he's pretty fast. He has a good, versatile um, makeup with his power and his finesse. He's just overall a freak at his ceiling. Right now he might be a little raw, but that's why he's there. And third of all, I have Nolan Smith, who's another Georgia defender who I'm extremely high on. He has some size concerns, maybe some injury concerns. But other than that, you're getting a very impactful edge rusher. And I think he has maybe the highest ceiling at edge if you don't put Tyree Wilson in there, obviously. So you mentioned that you don't have Will Anderson on that list. And I feel like I kind of have to address the elephant in the room. You have two other edges on this list after admitting that Will Anderson is your number one, which is completely fine. Like, I understand how some of these guys could change the defense, and Will Anderson might only be your one because you like his floor more, which I think is exactly what you're going to say. Am I wrong? Uh, Basically, yeah. I mean, like I said, ceiling, floor, and just your game in general. 
And I think I have uh, Miles Murphy as edge too. And I have him 0.01 behind Will Anderson. Will Anderson's almost not my edge one, but uh, I think Will Anderson just has a very, very high floor. I don't think he has a very high ceiling though. Mm. So with Nolan Smith, my main concern with Nolan Smith is his injury history. Yeah. So that's like the main concern with him, but I will admit superb player. I mean, I, one of the big things for me at the edge position, I like edges that can defend the run well. And Nolan Smith is great at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Nolan Smith stands out so much. I mean, first of all, his combine was insane. What do you run a four, three, nine, 40 or something like that? I know it was absurd considering yeah. his height and weight. Yeah. So he ran an extremely fast time and he just like, it, it almost like he teleported when you watched him on the field, he went from on the defensive line to in the backfield within two seconds. So that there's a guy like uh, uh, Jordan Davis, right? Last year ran a very mm-hmm. great 44, his time uh, makeup, but he's not that level of an athlete. When you watch him play, Nolan Smith, is what you saw at the combine. There's guys that test well, and there's guys that test and perform well. And Nolan Smith is that guy for me. I mean, game I under- speed. Yeah, I understand the difference between me and you, where you see the injuries more than I do, I guess. But I just say this guy has an incredibly high ceiling. I believe he's only 21 right now. He might be 22, but he's still extremely young. He has that ceiling to be a game changer in my opinion. And a lot of people have compared him to Hassan Reddick. I like that comparison and I've been extremely high on Hassan Reddick his entire career. So besides just being a phenomenal defensive tackle, Jalen Carter, you mentioned he's your best defensive player you've ever scouted. Best player overall. Best player overall that you ever scouted. Yes. So if you're a team that drafts him, what are you able to do schematically that you wouldn't be able to do with one of your other defensive tackles, Keanu Benton, Aleem McNeil? What is, other than the fact he's just all so great, what can you do schematically different with your defense if you bring in someone like Carter? So I like this defensive tackle class for what it has. It has kind of what the running backs have, where there's guys that are good in certain situations. I really liked Keanu Benton because like uh, Jalen Carter, I almost said Jalen Davis for some reason, Jalen Carter, um, they have the best mix of everything. Jalen Carter, you can line him up as a zero. You can line him up as a three, whatever you want. You could probably line him up as a six and just let him go to work. He will win basically wherever you play him. And how many defensive tackles in the NFL could you say are elite? Maybe 11 at best. But you could say, like, Chase Young is in my 20s or so for edges, and he has some of the defensive player of the year hype when he's healthy. So the edge in the NFL is so much stacked, so much more stacked compared to the defensive line. If you get somebody like Jalen Carter – who you can put everywhere, unlike Siaki Ika or maybe even uh, Mozzie Smith, who you can't put Mozzie at a zero all the time. You can't put Siaki as a three all the time. Jalen Carter, you can do that all the time. Put him wherever you need to. And then you would still get that ridiculous level of production and just physicality from him. Yeah, wherever you want to put him, you're going to get the same player. Hmm. All right. So tell me this, because this is another very – I'm curious as to where you have him ranked. 
the Iowa State edge. Lucas uh, Van Ness. Iowa edge? Oh, did I say State? Eh. <laughs> Iowa edge Lucas Van Ness. Yes. He's another guy. Extremely popular. Yes. What do you think of him? Do you think he kind of – maybe not to the same level as Carter. Do you think that he's also one of the players you would consider for biggest game changer or one of the – So, I'm kind of iffy on Lucas Van Ness. I know he lacks the polish, right? That's yes. the main knock on him, which I completely get. However, I think if he doesn't work out at edge, you throw him in at three-tech, even – the lack of polish in terms of his technique and all that stuff, he's still one of the top tier, maybe not top tier, but he's still one of those top 15 three techs in the NFL when you throw him there. Yeah. So after Luke, like one year, Lucas Van Ness is somebody when you watch his tape, you're getting mixed reactions. You get, okay, I can see why this guy's hyped up, and you can see that's kind of concerning. His I oh no I almost said his Iowa State game his uh, <laughs> Ohio State game he got put on his back twice that was concerning and then when you consider one of them was by Paris Johnson you're like okay you know maybe he struggles against the big dogs the other one was by a running back that's where I start getting a little bit concerned you shouldn't allow a running obviously things happen all the time but you shouldn't really let a running back put you on your back. <laughs> And he has the athletic tools to be a freak. But due to mixed concerns, I'm a big are-you-polished-right-now guy. What do you have coming into the NFL, right? And Lucas Van Ness doesn't have much besides athleticism. And that's why he's my edge eight. Edge eight and overall ranked 56 out of my top 50. Mm. I kind of think that if you're going to – I do think that's a little bit of conflicting logic there because I also see Tyree Wilson and Nolan Smith as these high upside, high ceiling, low floor guys. So how's there really a difference here? Now I understand having one ranked ahead of the other, but such a large difference that I don't really get. You said Tyree Wilson and who else? And Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith. Yeah. So when I watch somebody, it comes down to, how often do I see you succeed? And I saw uh, Tyree Wilson succeed feeling like every three plays or so versus Lucas Van Ness, you might have to go like three drives or so. So I just saw a lot higher succession from Tyree Wilson, from Nolan Smith, or even if they weren't winning their blocks, it was still things that, okay, he has the instincts to seal the backside if the running back wants to cut it back. It's just those things you see often over and over again that you don't see from Lucas Van Ness. You saw Lucas Van Ness running from all the way out as a six, all the way to the middle, and then maybe leaving up the edge just because he's trying to track down the ball carrier, which it's like, that's okay. But it's like, sometimes you got to worry about, oh, that running back Saquon Barkley, now he's cutting it back for a 56-yard run. Mm. I just see a lot of the stuff that you are knocking Ness for, and I guess with Ness it's a little bit more often which I understand. But some of the stuff that you're knocking Ness for, you could also say it about Wilson, like the over-reliance on power that Van Ness has that a lot of people point out and say that that's a big knock on him. He doesn't really have moves. 
Tyree Wilson, while he has shown the ability to be like a physical specimen and be a freak athlete at times, most of the time it's just him being bigger than the opposing guy and just dominating them physically with a bull rush. Yeah, and I mean, like we're saying, if you're going to be that dominating threat, I don't expect you to be put on your back by a running back. I didn't see that by Tyree Wilson at all. (laughs) Um, So just things like that concern me when I see that. Your strength is getting outdone by somebody who shouldn't outdo it. Mm. And that is one example from a game, but it's just the example I'm choosing for this. Yeah, I I guess I understand that. So it's kind of like I I would say when, like, say Tyree Kill, if you're getting, I don't know, a slow corner, I can't think of any on top of my head. Yeah, he catches up with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of concerning. You have a reputation of being a certain way, and there's evidence of you not quite being that way. Yeah. And I, I guess I get it. There is film of him getting laid out, right? But I also think it's a little bit like. You know, if Tom or I guess Tom Brady played so long, let's say that Joe Burrow makes a really bad decision. He's supposed to be a great decision maker, but he makes one bad decision one time. Like, you know, I think it I don't want to I think the word nitpicking is used a little bit too often. But I think from my perspective and the film that I've watched of Van Ness, it seems like a little bit of a nitpick to say that specifically. Yeah, I mean, I made a video on Lucas Van Ness um, for anybody listening that wants to go check that out. Um, But it's just like, obviously, that's the only thing to my head that's coming up is I remember that because that was one thing I pointed out in the video. Um, But I mean, it's just so tough for me to see that your strength isn't that strong, in my opinion. And then Mm -hmm. you also have those concerns. All right, so let's go back to the guys that you have as your top game changers on the defensive side of the ball. Okay. You went over how Carter changes the defense completely. How would your two high-ceiling, low-floor edges of Nolan Smith and Tyree Wilson also be able to change the defense? Is it very different between the two, or is it really the same way with both of them? So, I mean, it really depends what team they go to, right? Because if you go to, like, a team like Cleveland somehow, if they trade all the way up and get, like, uh, Nolan Smith, he's not going to change your defense much more than somebody like Miles Garrett could. But Mm -hmm. if you're going to a team that doesn't have an edge rusher, you're getting somebody with freakish athleticism and freakish upside, and he's going to be, at worst, just an average uh, edge rusher. And we've seen average edge rushers do fine for teams. I mean, you'd like that guy that's getting, you know, 10, 11 sacks, but you could also deal with eight. And I don't see Tyree Wilson or maybe their rookie year, they might slouch a little bit. It depends on their whole system and if they're playing a lot. But I don't see them really doing anything bad. And that's what you want. You just want consistency. I've said it over and over again. Just the ability to make and speed too, like Nolan Smith, if he's able to rush off the edge and then dip inside that speed is going to be game changing for the other team when their tackle has to now, Oh, he's going inside and he's not able to, you know, catch up with him. And that's a sack. Mm-hmm. It's just that the speed is really changing. Not only that speed, but it's like Nolan Smith has great hands. He uses his hands in a great way. So, okay, that tackle catches up to you. 
now Nolan's hitting you with a swim. <laughs> then now what? So they have an arsenal. They have the athleticism. I think Tyree Wilson's a little old. I think he might be 23 or so. But with Nolan Smith, you have the age too. And then also with Nolan Smith, something that you didn't mention, if he goes to a team and he's a 3-4 outside linebacker, which I, I personally believe that would be his ideal role, yes. he could play a bit of coverage too. Yeah, I mean, I think him, I think Van Ness did that a few times. There's a few edge rushers that could also do that. But uh, yeah, 3-4, I wouldn't mind that. I, I think Tyree Wilson too, he's a phenomenal player. He doesn't add the coverage aspect but he definitely has the physical tools to be one of those game-breaking edge rushers, 100%. And the only two guys that I have, obviously I have Jalen Carter, but then I have Will Anderson on mine because I do think if you factor in Jalen Carter's off-the-field stuff to your scouting report or your vision of him, Will Anderson is the best defensive player, at least in my opinion if you factor in that stuff, because that is an important thing. And, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, no, you could go. No, I was just going to say that uh, um, watching Will Anderson, there was just so much that the offensive tackle got a lot of praise for playing well against Will Anderson, but it almost seemed like Will Anderson never got like concerns for not playing well. You saw that with Darnell Wright this year. There was another uh, Ole Miss offensive tackle who I didn't know the name of. Um, still really don't, but I wrote it down when I watched him. Um, that played really well against Will Anderson. So I'm watching these tackles not dominate, but have good games against Will Anderson, and they get praised, but Will Anderson never gets concerns or question marks. Well, I think with Will Anderson, you talked about speed with Nolan Smith. Yes. Will Anderson, his game speed is ridiculous. Like his ability to get inside the same way it is with Nolan Smith, his ability to just really pop out in the speed aspect from the defensive line position and then also rip moves really quickly at the same time. I mean, it's nearly game breaking. The fact he could get into the backfield as quick as he does, it's not really fair. Yeah, I mean. I do think I am lower on his bag of tools than other people are. I mean, just watching the games like Tennessee and Ole Miss, it seemed like they were able to shut down everything he was doing too often for my liking. Um, but, I mean, again, like Lucas Van Ness, the athleticism is there. The at least trying to use your hands is there. There's edge rushers that just don't try, and they just kind of try to overpower you. But, uh, yeah, the traits that you want to see from the mentality aspect are there. I just want to see you win with those. Mm -hmm. And there definitely are issues with Will Anderson. Like, I won't deny that. You know, he's undersized. He needs a couple more pass rush moves for sure. He doesn't really have a large bag. And there's occasional poor displays of tackling. And his bend isn't too great. And it might just be because it's hard for him to control himself at the speed at which he goes. But, I mean, he's undersized. But that doesn't really pop up as an issue because he's still eating up double teams. Yeah. From the edge position. So, I don't know. I just think he's such a specimen. It's really tough to leave him off of this for me. And the other guy that I have that you don't as a game changer 
Brian Branch. I almost put him, yeah. I think what he adds to your defense from a versatility perspective, the same way that you're saying Jalen Carter does just on the defensive line, that's kind of what Brian Branch does for your secondary and your linebacker room because he's also a damn good box safety. Yeah. So the reason I decided to not put Brian Branch, and I would like to say I don't do this often. I don't want people perceiving my negative uh, thoughts about a player is to say that I just think they're bad. Like Brian Branch and Will Anderson are both in my top 10. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just I see things and I want to explain what I see. But people, you know, in my videos or whatever, they're like, oh, you just hate this guy. I don't. I don't hate any player. But going back to Brian Branch, he played so much star at Alabama last year. I don't know what his role is going to be in the NFL. I mean, it could stay the same. You could see him playing a traditional top Roman safety like Earl Thomas or something. Or he could be like a Carl Joseph and just sit in the box. And I'm not 100% sold on the fact that he can succeed at everything he does. My concern with him is the exact same thing. Yeah. I completely agree. But it's undeniable if he goes to the right defensive coordinator that really knows how to use, utilize him in all the right ways, kind of like how the Chargers use Derwin James, it could go really, really well. It yeah. could either go the Isaiah Simmons with the Cardinals route, or it could go Derwin James with the Chargers. Yes. And one of those is way better than the other. Yeah, and I think in maybe my mock 2.0, I only make three through through the year. I think in 2.0, I had Brian Branch falling to the Chargers. So it was interesting to said Derwin. Oh, wow. That would be <laughs> insane if they do that. Yeah, with Nasir Adderley being gone out of the picture too, you kind of need a safety. Yeah, and the thing is too, he could play slot corner, although I do have concerns that he isn't – or at least it depends on what his matchup is. But against like the top-tier slots, I don't know if he's quite – the athlete for some of those guys. Yeah. But I do think with the right matchup, you could line them up in the slot too. Yeah. There's a lot of these guys that play safety that are also kind of slot guys. One of my favorite guys in this entire draft is Jertavius Martin from Illinois. And he's listed as a corner at a lot of places, but he struggled at corner. So he's not going to be a corner in the uh, NFL. But if you play him at safety, this is somebody who does have a very high ceiling. And that's kind of the same thing with Brian Branch. Depending on where you play him, they're going to have a very high ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, like you said, there's a lot of those guys. However, I do think Brian Branch does show the ability to be good in all of those roles. You're just going to have to find one specific thing that – he can really specialize in. Yeah. And that's going to be the tough thing for whatever defensive coordinator ends up with him. Yeah, I mean, there's guys like Kyle Hamilton who you kind of know their role in the NFL, and you're okay with that. But there's also guys that you don't really know their role, and that's kind of what scares me. So let's move on to a topic that should be much, I want to say, snappier. Because it should be decently rapid fire. Now, I'm not saying don't elaborate on anything. But it should be like, oh, yeah, well, this is the guy that team is starting at that spot. This draft is very good at this position. So, 
it's kind of a no-brainer for the team to address this at some point. What do you think are the 10 biggest position needs for 10 teams? Okay. So I assume this isn't an order, or do you want it to be? Uh, Order would be extremely – I'm not the type for comparing two players that play different positions, let alone comparing two needs that are at different positions for different teams. I don't think that would be even possible. Okay, to do so objectively. I'm just so if you want to just list them, yeah. Yeah, I'll say loosely this is one through ten, but I wouldn't, you know, freak out if you say ten is one or something like that. Um let's I think, go one by one and we'll address them topic. Yeah, I think I think the Patriots are really struggling at offensive tackle. Everybody is talking about them potentially getting a corner, getting a safety, getting a receiver. They really need everything. But getting all these other positions instead of a tackle when they lost Isaiah Wynn, granted, he's not that good. And they replace him with Riley Reef, who I'm not high on. <laughs> I mean, he was in Cincy last year, if I'm not wrong. And before that, I think he was floating around. Maybe. He was with the Vikings for a bit, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, he was with Minnesota, too. He's with Cincy. Like, he's, he's been in the around. league for a long time. He's 34 now. Yeah, and he's your starting left tackle right now. We, or maybe Trent He's the Brown. right tackle. Trent Brown's the left tackle. Riley yeah. Reef's the right. Yeah, Trent Brown was playing a lot of right tackle before last year when they put him at left. So you're flipping your tackles at this point because you don't know where to play them. Trent Brown struggled immensely last year as well. He had like mm, mm, 10 penalties and a few sacks allowed, if I'm not mistaken. So I think maybe if you want to draft one in the first round, you can do that. If you don't want to do that, right? Say worst case scenario, say Jordan Addison's there. You're like, this is our guy. At 46, you can still get like a Dewan Jones, who's another freak kind of like Trent Brown, but obviously. But do you want to do another Trent Brown experiment like that? I mean, it worked out for them. He was a pro bowler a few years ago in New England. So if you're able to develop him like the Patriots have been able to develop Trent Brown, why not? And you now you have two six-foot-eight tackles. You'll yeah. Be, you're building the but great I, wall I don't know if you want to make your team that vulnerable to speed. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, really whatever Bill Belichick wants. If you yeah. want somebody else, maybe Matthew Bergeron, big Canadian guy that mm-hmm. – that's kind of my knock because he didn't play any Americans until he got to college, which is kind of, okay, are you going to be able to do this well? And he has so far. It's just, is he going to expose at the highest level possible? Mm-hmm. But those are kind of my Patriots offensive tackle thoughts. Yeah. Patriots, like you said, they're a team that really needs a lot. I, I talked about them last episode of the podcast with Joe Nose. Mm-hmm. And we were really going deep into the fact that it seems like the Patriots are really at a phase of dysfunction and you being a Patriots fan, you obviously have a perspective on that. Yeah. But man, I I look at it. I think there's one thing we're all saying for a fact, if this was any coach, but Belichick doing what Belichick has done for the past three years, hiring Matt Patricia to call plays with Joe judge and bringing in Cam Newton to start at quarterback during the COVID year. All this stuff is really questionable, is it not? Yeah, I mean, he's done questionable things his entire career. It's just But been, it worked in the past. That's, that's the what I'm saying. Now. Yeah, it's just been since you don't have the greatest quarterback of all time, seemingly the greatest tight end of all time, 
now you don't have the luxury of relying on your core guys. And there's been a feeling really since 2017 or so that the Patriots way is dying. There's no longer those core guys. You just lost Devin McCourty, who's been there for the past 13 years. You lost Tom Brady recently. You lost Julian Edelman. All those core guys that really embodied the Patriots way, Dante Hightower, are all gone and retired now. So you're relying on Matthew Slater. You're relying on, is there really anybody else you can say is that core Patriots team? I don't think so. Maybe Lawrence Guy is the closest thing. I mean... The hope is that your coach would be able to. Yeah, Lor- but yeah, Lawrence guy, you said. The Patriots' way has never been Bill's thing. It's been, okay, Bill kind of installs that in his guys, and his guys relay that. It's been a locker room feeling. Kyle Duggar, you could say. Yeah, but Duggar came in 2020. I mean, that's after, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why. I always picture Duggar as like... He seems like such a patriot, you know? Yeah, I was never high on Duggar until really last No, I'm season. not calling him like a stud, but he just gives yeah. off like Patriots D-back vibes. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of the new era Patrick Chung, I would say. Yeah, that, that might have been it. I might have been like merging him and Chung as one person in my brain. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind that. I like that a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean... Bill's kind of just been doing things that I have not been a fan of. And the reason that I don't come out, I've never said on uh, TikTok that I'm a Patriots fan is because I want to be able to say Patriots related stuff and not be called, oh, you're not a real fan. You're you're looking at it like negatively. So I've never said what my fandom is. And I want to be able to say it from an average standpoint. And I think I've been able to do that pretty well. And Bill just hasn't done anything phenomenal i think this offseason maybe the best offseason from bill in a few years i really like the mike gusecki pickup riley reef is whatever you re-sign jonathan jones and jalen mills on a cheaper contract for him i like what bill's done this offseason but everything else has been questionable before so you mentioned something like quick side conversation i guess here okay. you mentioned how you you know, consider yourself a Patriots fan, but you don't really want to go out and say that on your account. So I actually do a very similar thing where it's honestly leaked into how I watch the sport too. At one point in my life, I was a Steelers fan. Then I started up, you know, posting on social media, posting about the NFL, talking about the NFL, all that stuff. And ever since like Early in this podcast's life, I want to say like two months after I started the podcast, I straight up stopped watching the Pittsburgh Steelers from a fan perspective. Now I'm just an NFL fan. Like, I really do consider that myself that. And I'm not just considering myself that so people don't get mad if I slander the Browns or if I say something good about the Steelers. I'm saying that because I genuinely watch football not rooting for the Steelers. I root for the team I said would win. I root for the best possible storyline. And that's kind of just what happened with me. Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm an NFL fan. I just think – because I – like, for an example, the Patriots Stadium is an hour and a half roughly away from me. Mm -hmm. So there was a signing for Logan Mankins like two months ago, and I had worked that day. I drove there at 8 in the morning to be there. So – I go out of my way to support the Patriots. I'm still a Patriots fan. I just don't like, I don't understand, I guess I would say, 
a biased perspective because I've always been somebody who's looking at things from both sides and just saying, oh, Trent Brown's still a top five tackle in the NFL doesn't make sense to me. And some people still do that for their favorite team. Yeah, That's- and I, I think bias will always be an aspect of this industry. Yeah, and it's just something I've never personally understood, even though I am a very big Patriots fan at heart. Yeah, I, I own, completely get that. I own 15 currently jerseys for the Patriots right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually have, like, about – I probably have – I want to say I have, like, 25-ish jerseys for the NFL, yeah, and 15 of them are for different teams. Yeah, that's crazy. So, I. It would feel wrong for me to wear another team's jersey. Mm. I, I love having jerseys for different teams. Yeah. So, what other team do you have here? I imagine, are the Patriots here a couple of times, or you just have them that once? I just have them that once. I went okay. nine different teams, and I doubled up on one. Okay. Um, do you want to say the one that you doubled up with here? Sure, it's uh, the Giants. Wide so, receiver and is it linebacker and or interior offensive line? Which one? Interior offensive line, center. Okay. Yeah. Um, I knew it was one of the two. Linebacker is also a big need there, but yeah, I really like Okariki. I don't mind that. Yeah, they in. they brought him in, but their second linebacker is who? Like they need more than just one guy. The yeah. linebacker room or. Inside linebacker room, off-ball linebacker room just sucks in general. Tay Crowder is in Pittsburgh now, isn't he? Uh, I don't know where Tay I know Tay Crowder really had the good rookie year where everyone really loved him. Yeah, yeah he's, he's in Pittsburgh. Everyone loved Tay Crowder because he was undrafted and had a good rookie year, but they kind of fell off. Yeah, he's bad at football, but I was yeah. just trying to figure out where he was. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I – I really think center is the biggest need for them at the moment. And this isn't a center class that I'm particularly high on. I mean, I think their answer is right there in the first round. Is it, is it not? I don't think so. I don't think there's a center I would take in the first round. So, mm, so a lot of people have them getting uh, – I'm looking back at my notes just because I want to make sure I get the name right – because I know it's John Michael, Michael Smith. Smith. Yeah, I I didn't know if it was Michael Smith or Michael Schwartz. Yeah. But he's a very – he's never stunning. There's not a single play where he really pops out. Yeah. But he's consistently doing his job. He's one of the most reliable, consistent players in the class, if you ask me. And at the center position, that's something you really like, is it not? I think he's worth a first-round pick, late first round, but I think he's worth a first-round pick early second. Yeah, so the one thing I will say, you kind of get into the groove of your scouting way, right? And you kind of see, like, trends. And one trend that I have never been good at is nailing the center position. Mm. (laughs) My rankings at the end of everything tend to not be the most accurate. And that's due to a lot of things. You can't really tell how they are one-on-one because they're in between two guards. You can't really tell much. You can tell things like what Jason Kelsey does in open space. What Jason Kelsey does is next level. But you're not going to see that from anybody else because Jason Kelsey is the best to ever do that. So Mm -hmm. I don't even have John Michael Smith as a top two center in this class. And – Again, like last year, I had Donovan West as my center, too. And Donovan West went undrafted. 
I think, signed to the 49ers and then cut. So it, it could be wrong. I have Ricky Storm. Everyone has a position that they struggle to scout. Yeah. Everyone. I have it's Ricky Stromberg personally as my center one, and he's been mocked late in day four or day three. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And then who's your two out of curiosity? Uh, Luke Weipler from Ohio State. Yeah, that's who I thought it would be. Smith, I'm, I don't love him. Like, I'm not like, oh, yeah, Smith is the next Tyler Linderbaum level prospect. Like, he's not. Yeah. However, he is definitely a good player and he will like he comes in he's a day one starter and he will consistently or somewhat consistently right as a rookie it's really difficult to say you consistently get your job done but he will be a reliable player he won't be a weakness and that's really all they would like to see I think if I'm the Giants it's been so long since they had a competent center the last like all right or he, I mean, he was pretty far above average, but the last even all-right center they had was Sean O'Hara. Yeah. It's been so long since they had, like, a good player in the middle of the O-line. So I think taking the safe, reliable option in Schmitz from Minnesota, great. Yeah. Fine pick. In my head, I was sitting here wondering if you are going to go, like, a more recent route than O'Hara, but we were on the same page with that one. Um, I also do think that center class took a bit of a hit when my former center one before he decided to go back, Cedric Van Pran, uh, decided to go back to Georgia. Mm. Of course, the the one thing we need another Georgia player to go in the first <laughs> round. I don't I don't think he was a first round pick, but he was definitely my center one. Mm. So I I. You don't know how I do my scouting. I actually do my scouting in a bit of a unique way. I don't watch any college football until the draft is coming up, and I only watch film of the draft prospects. So I, I've definitely seen him because Georgia always has a good player. Yeah. But I didn't know his name. Yeah, I would say um, – I would say roughly I'm the same way. I mean, I am more involved where I had like a college football fantasy – um this past year Mm. so i was over here getting more in the mix but i mean this is only really year three i would say that i've been actually scouting players so it's getting more and more year three yeah so it's getting more and more involved with me and uh i mean there was a point where i didn't even know who the third best quarterback was because all i knew was qb1 and qb2 now i'm watching 150 130 players Mm -hmm. exactly yeah yeah with me i i really I can't – I, I don't want to say I can't watch college football, but I can't get too deep into a league where there is so consistently blowouts and so consistently just no defense whatsoever being played in games. I can't. So you're not much of a basketball fan. <laughs> but No, I'm not a basketball fan either. <laughs> yeah. Really. I mean, I could wa- – like, I could watch an NBA game. I If I were to watch a sport other than NFL football, I would probably watch NHL hockey. I would. Hockey seems dope to me, but it's just during my busiest time, which is when I'm watching my 150 NFL prospects. So I really don't have time to do it. Yeah, I mean, I know this is kind of side conversation at this point, but the only other sport besides football I could watch is basketball. I could not sit here and watch like a baseball, hockey, or whatever. Oh, don't even get me started on baseball. <laughs> All right, what's your next position? Um, my next need, 
Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and we also talked about why we didn't talk about wide receiver much with the Giants. I think it's very simple. They just don't have a one. They have a number one target in Darren Waller, but yeah. they need a legitimate outside wide receiver. Yeah. It's really simple. And I think it doesn't really matter what direction they go. Am I wrong in saying that? They could really go with any of like those top guys and they'll be fine. Yeah, and the issue, even in the second round. Yeah, the issue with that being is I don't think they want to go receiver in the first round. So Yeah, and that's fine. I think if they go Schmidt round one and then take let's say Rasheed Rice falls, which seems likely. I'm I'm a Rasheed Rice guy personally. I think that's fine for the Giants. Just get them a bona fide wide receiver one and then you're happy. Yeah, but is Rasheed Rice a bona fide wide receiver one? I don't know. He has the, he is. Uh, how many receivers in this class are? This is a weak wide receiver class. Yeah, and I watched 25 of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like, legitimately, tell me, how many do you think? How many wide receiver ones? Yeah. I think Rasheed Rice definitely has wide receiver one potential. I think if we're just talking straight, they are, like, great receivers. Well, JS- there's not many of that either, but I think there's J- probably three, I think. JSN, Jordan (laughs) Addison, and Xavier Hutchinson. Everyone on – I'm a big Xavier Hutchinson guy too, and that's kind of why it pisses me off. He used to be a sleeper. Now everyone knows about him. He's not a sleeper anymore. He's still a sleeper. The only people that really ride hard for him are me and Donnie, I would say. No, that's not true. That isn't true. I'm telling you that it's not because I was in a mock draft with Jake Talk Sports. It was a mock draft simulation. There's a YouTube video of it up. And a episode of a podcast up where it's just the audio version on the Jake's Talk Sports podcast, Shameless Plug. It's my own show. I'm allowed to do that. <laughs> uh, but it every single person knew Xavier Hutchinson was a top dog. I asked them, what did they think of the wide receivers? What did they think of the wide receivers? All of them were like, oh, yeah, I love Hutchinson. Hutchinson's in my top five. He's a big sleeper. I'm hoping I can get him late in this draft. And then I take him with the Browns, I think, third-round pick, and everyone's like, that's a great pick. That's the best pick of the draft, whatever. Yeah, and if you look at other scouts, Lance Zerline, PFF, whatever your source is, they are not high on him at all. Yeah, and it's – because I don't know what's up with only, like, these official, you know, Mel Kuypers and I guess the NFL teams too, clearly. They're not high on him either, I guess. Yeah. What just, the hell do we not see? Or what the hell do we see that they don't? So, Lance Zerline specifically, because he's the only one I've seen that gone in-depth into it. He had, I think, eight drops last year by PFF. Mm-hmm. But drops are so fixable at an NFL level. Well, another thing that goes into my scouting is how good are you right now? Because you can't kind of bank on them fixing issues. Like, he could have drop issue every year. So... I do kind of see that perspective. You kind of look that he's not an elite speed guy. He yeah. kind of struggles. And that's to... the knock. That is... Yeah. So it's his hands might not be great. He only had two touchdowns last year um, okay. in the big, against Big 12 opponents or something like that. Um, but it's like these little things that they knock him for, and then they drop him all the way down to the fifth or sixth round. Yeah, exactly. It's unbelievable. And so then I'm also big on Jonathan Mingo, who I think him I like and, Mingo. Yeah, I think Mingo and Xavier Hutchinson are very similar players. You just saw a lot more out of a route tree and uh, arguably out of less talent at the quarterback position with um, Iowa State and with 
Xavier Hutchinson that you saw with Mingo. Um, that that's why I have a separation. I think Mingo might be my wide receiver seven or eight, and then He's you got out there for me too. And then you got Xavier Hutchinson at three for me. Yeah, I think as long as Giants draft someone, even if it's not a bona fide wide receiver one, because realistically, like you said, you said there's really three great wide receivers. Yeah. You just want someone with wide receiver one upside and someone that's at least somewhat close to that. Yeah. Like you don't want an absolute project, but you want someone who has the upside to be a wide receiver one because we're expecting them to draft a wide receiver in the second round in a weak wide receiver class. So that's probably where their expectations should be. And I think Rasheed Rice is kind of like a fit for that. Yeah, I mean, Rasheed Rice definitely did show, like, great blocking. He showed contested catch ability, uh, maybe speed ability. I mean, there were some that he was wide open on, but I don't know if I'd necessarily say he's a speed guy. There's good things in Rasheed Rice's tape. I'm just not completely sold on him. I have him – ooh, let me check real quick. Where do I have Rasheed Rice? Yeah. Um – one second. One second. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> the way I see it, I so with all my wide receivers, I have like an archetype archetype of yeah. receiver there right next to them. I have him as a big body receiver and after catch playmaker. And I think his long speed especially is the like highlight there. His catch radius is very large, spectacular blocker, which I think is important. He's elusive yeah. after the catch, and I think his route running is really underrated. And he makes catches with a high degree of difficulty like you would like to see from a bigger receiver. The problem is drops, which I think is very fixable. And he doesn't really have a great feel for zone coverage, but that's kind of where they could just rely on their wide receiver, Isaiah Hodgins. Yeah. And wide receiver nine is where I have Rice, by the way. Wow. That's big. That's okay. So there's clearly some difference between the two of us because I have Rasheed Rice – what is that? Five. Yeah, five. Yeah. And there's guys that I'm extremely high on that everybody kind of gives me that weird look for um, being five Parker Washington. But I all- I was originally really high on Washington. I had him at six. Yeah. But then I lowered him a bit as I filmed just because I, I would like to see a little bit more speed out of him. But I definitely think he's a spectacular role player after the catchability is phenomenal with him. Yeah. So what other topic do you got? Or what other, sorry, what other position with the team do you have? So I kind of debated where I wanted to go with this one. For the Rams, you could go anything. Any position. Yeah. There's not one outlier. Exactly. Um, I completely agree. There's weaknesses all over that roster. But I think you look at who your best player is, and we agree that's Aaron Donald. Yeah. You but have to help not him Not the out. best for the rebuild, though. They're a rebuilding team. Maybe you want to build around a young guy, but, oh, wait, they don't have a young guy to build around. So, yeah, so your only option is building around Aaron Donald right now for the last year or two that he has, mm. in my opinion, at least. So I'm going edge with I think Rams. edge just because edge is one of the most valuable positions. Yeah, and it's also the most stacked. So it's kind of like choosing almost the best available at this spot. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, they have 36 in this draft. So you go like someone like Felix, you go Isaiah Foskey, you go somebody that can be almost an instant impact. I'm not high on Foskey, but he's a solid base player. 
and you just help them or get them to help Aaron Donald. And you kind of build your team from that because you don't have any picks. You don't have any stars. You got to start somewhere. Start with your best player, in my opinion. Yeah, that's completely understandable. I mean, the team has weaknesses all over, but I just think edge is one of the most important positions. And it's so stacked in this draft class. Probably yeah. the right move. So what what other position do you got? Uh, Chargers, interior defensive line. Yeah, um, Keanu Benton, I think, just fixed that up. I could absolutely see Keanu Benton just going there. You're a big Keanu Benton guy, huh? It's not even like a, I love Keanu Benton. I just think it's exactly what the Chargers need and just a guy to fill up the gap. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably one of the biggest Keanu Benton guys you're going to find. He was one of my late uh, watches, I guess you could say. And he made mm-hmm. my top five IDLs. So I'm high. Oh, he's on... top five for me. I... Do people have him outside the top five? I think they do. I That's think... absurd. Well, I mean, when you look at Mozzie Smith, Kalaja Kansi, Jalen Carter, Siaki Ika, that's four. Now you add in Brian Brzee. You add in maybe some guys are high on Moro Ojomo, you know, Zach Pickens. I think uh, obviously Jalen Carter, and then I probably have Benton right there. I want to say I haven't ranked my D lineman yet because I'm I'm behind on film with D line specifically. Yeah, but I probably would be ranking him right there after Carter. I, at least I think so. Unless I'm missing something, I need to see what more people are saying. I watched Mozzie Smith. I liked him. I think he's very raw. Ranking him ahead of Keanu Benton, I think, would be absurd. I could see Breezy ahead of him from Clemson. I could see that. Maybe I would do that just because the upside Breezy has is tremendous and he isn't too raw like how I think Mozzie Smith is. And can see I'm just in the train that I don't like him much personally. Yeah, so from what I have seen, I mean, I could see different things from other people. I haven't seen Keanu top five. Um, really? Yeah, that's what I've That seen. surprises me. I haven't looked much at how other people have their ranking, but I really like Benton. Yeah, I, I thought I was uh, one of the higher ones on him having him at five, and then I hear you might have him at two, so that's interesting. Although, um, maybe I, w- I would probably have him three. I'm looking back at my notes on him. He is a poor bull rusher, which I honestly forgot that I took that note on him. Poor bull rusher, poor footwork at times, inconsistent leverage, doesn't anchor double teams. Mm, maybe I do have him lower than I thought. I thought they filled more of the role as a just a solid gap filling guy. I might like I might like Ica more. I definitely like him more than Cansey though. I'm not big on Cansey at all. Yeah. So from your notes, right? Mm-hmm. I definitely agreed with the double teams. I mean, there's times I see him five to six yards back from where he started. Um. I do disagree with the bull rushing. I think that's better than what you said it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, like I said earlier, him and Jalen Carter are the only two guys that I think you could put in basically any defense and get the same result. Mm. Yeah, I, I get. I definitely get that. And versatility is such a big thing. Like that's the thing with Ica from Baylor. It's really just nose tackle and one tech. You line him up in the three tech, he gets smoked. Mm-hmm. But I think he can really play like the Vita Vea role of just eating shit up in the nose. Yeah, and you got Austin Johnson right now as your nose ta- or your uh, nose tackle, and I'm not really high on that. Yeah. 
So, so. I, I think I probably I definitely have Ica ahead of him. I think I do have Benton four. Yeah, four. Yeah, I mean, for this pick, it really decides. Do you want to replace Austin Johnson? Do you want to pl- uh, replace Sebastian Joseph Day? Maybe Morgan Cox? Like, whatever you want to replace, it depends if you're going Siaki Ika or Mozzie Smith or really what you want to do. Obviously, Keanu Benson and put him wherever. But How many more positions do you have left? Five? Uh, I'm, I'm done. Oh, oh, for my 10 big holes? Yeah. Yeah, I thought you were talking about overall scouting. Um, no, I have one, two, three, four, uh, five, five. Yeah, I thought it would be around five right now. All right, what's the next one? Uh, Cardinals getting a corner. Yeah, that's part of the reason I really like them trading back because if they draft a corner at three, that's just a reach, even though I love Gonzalez. Yeah, no, you don't draft a corner in this class. Um, I would three. say top ten. I would say top ten. Real, you, so you don't like Gonzalez as a top ten pick? I have Gonzalez on my big board at 17. Really? So, Is he still your number one corner? Oh, yeah. Um, I also don't really know how high his floor is. His ceiling's all the way at the top. Yeah. But the floor, I, I guess, I see it. Yeah. I mean, As he a had a big, like, I think he, he won't be a bust, but he, yeah. there is a possibility he isn't like a top 10 a top worthy 10, pick. Yeah. I mean, you could be looking back, and just because he's been mocked to the Lions a lot, you could be looking back and saying, oh, Ziggy Ons is a great player, but is he the top 10 pick we thought he would be? No. That's kind of the same. Yeah, I, I guess I could see that, but mm, I don't know. I really like the upside he brings. Yeah. At that position, um, too, I think it's really important. But but yeah, even if they wanted to like keep their picks they have, they could get like a Emmanuel Forbes or Keely Ringo in the second round. Yeah. Exactly. So, and I drafted Ringo in that mock draft I was just talking about. I drafted Ringo to the Cardinals. And people were saying that was a – or not people. It was just pick and spread, so that was a horrible fit. And I get that Gannon has like this, you know, identity as just a zone coverage calling defensive coordinator. And he is. But Ringo can play a press zone, right? Yeah, he was uh... – in my evaluation, better in zone than man, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's exactly it. I think these press-only corners, and that's definitely like an archetype of corners alone, really only get a rep as like, oh, they're a press-only corner? That must mean they play a lot of men. No, you could play press zone. And, in fact, that's something used a lot in today's league. It's Yet somehow, like, I don't want to say casual fans because I kind of hate that word, but yeah. – a lot of fans just undermine that. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot and I thought of it too, but I didn't want to say anything. Cause it's kind of like that bold thing. You're like, do I say it? Do I not? He could switch to safety in the NFL. I've seen a I lot of people say get that. Yeah. But then you're losing one of the best press corners I've seen coming out of college in a, like, yeah, in probably about two, three years. I think his press coverage ability, although it is, it does look like he might get penalized a bit for it, but it, he gets really physical on the line of scrimmage. It kind of a bit of a waste, I think. There was so much looking at Keely Ringo that scared me. I yes, mean, and I understand that, but I think if he goes to a team that really just uses him for that one thing, he really is a one 
if you just use him as a press only corner, whether that's press man or press zone, he'll be fine. Yeah. And I, I think if that's what Jonathan Gannon does with him on the Cardinals, if he drafts him, perfectly fine. Yeah. I have two different uh, examples of Keely Ringo. I have him playing against a bad receiver in Justin Shorter and a good receiver in Marvin Harrison Jr., right? <laughs> you have both situations where he didn't play well, one of which was versus Justin Shorter, who they basically ran at the same speed, it felt like. Justin Shorter, I feel like, had a bit of an edge to begin, but then you saw that makeup speed. And then Justin Shorter just beat him, allowed uh, Keely Ringo off his base, and then was able to catch a nice deep ball in the Florida game. And you look at the game versus Ohio State, they didn't trust him to guard Marvin Harrison Jr., which, again, it's Marvin Harrison. Yeah. But, I mean, this is a guy, Keely Ringo, who was supposed to be a bona fide first-round pick. Mm-hmm. He, was, he has all those athletic traits, and now you're bracketing Marvin Harrison because you don't trust your number one corner. And then he still got beat, you said, right? Yeah, no, he still got beat. I mean, there's yeah. multiple plays where he's wide open. There is Listen, one. There is absolutely a bust factor to Ringo, but I truly do think if he's used just as that, maybe he won't be like a bona fide cornerback. One, he'll be a very fun other side cornerback too in this league i would be very surprised if he's a bench warmer yeah very surprised but yeah i I think that there's a couple of guys the cardinals could go with i think going in the second round is definitely a fair option like as long as they draft someone in those top two rounds they should be fine what's the next need uh jets this one probably should have been last but i kind of want to get it out of the way because it's just kind of obvious. Quarterback. You don't have Aaron Rodgers right now, and they're acting like they do. They're, yeah. They're acting like they have Aaron Rodgers. When there's an actual reality next season, Aaron Rodgers is not a Jet, in my opinion. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's starting to look like that. I really wish I stuck to my guns because I was initially saying Rodgers is, ju- is just doing the common Aaron Rodgers thing and, you know, just trying to make the media focus on him. What better way to do that? than baiting the entire city of New York. Yeah. I mean, I'm still on the whole train where they're going to get Aaron Rodgers just because that's what all the signs are pointing to. The McAfee show convinced me. Yeah, but if you don't, you now are rolling into next season without Mike White and with Zach Wilson again. So I think you get a quarterback in the mid-rounds, not late rounds, because you don't want to miss out on any of the guys. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to get... I mean, maybe Hendon Hooker falls because of his age and injury. That That's okay. Um, then you get maybe Stetson Bennett if you don't want that. Mm. Get Jake maybe, Hayner, maybe. I didn't watch Jake Hayner. Um, Dorian but, Thompson? Oh, Dorian Thompson's undrafted. <laughs> yeah, no, people are on and off with him. I yeah. think he probably won't fit like a Nathaniel Hackett scheme. There's teams that will like him and there's teams that won't. Yeah, sure. I, I'm high on Duggan, and I know a lot of people aren't. I would rather that. If I think if the Eagles didn't pick up Marcus Mariota, this is like really off the rails from where we were, from what we were originally talking about. But if the Eagles didn't pick up Marcus Mariota as a backup quarterback, I think Dorian Thompson to the Eagles would be extremely likely. Yeah, I mean, they've shown that they want to just try different things out. I mean, they're going mobile, but, like, they got Carson Strong as a UDFA last year. Yeah, they did. can't move at all. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't really know. Dorian Thompson, I think, would be a very good fit on a team like Philly, even though uh, never mind. You, we basically said that part. Fuck, I basically <laughs> lost my train of thought. Okay, if we're in so, a good role too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you just said the thing about Carson Strong. All right. Yeah, and I get that, but it really seems like Philly prefers those mobile quarterbacks to be their backup because that's just a similar scheme that they could run to what they run with Jalen Hurts. And there's definitely other teams that feel that same. Way. The Jets probably aren't one of them, so maybe I shouldn't have really brought up Thompson in this discussion, but he's definitely a quarterback I don't think is worth being undrafted. Yeah. Um, I watch, uh, I think, 11 quarterbacks, and mm-hmm. I didn't have Dorian as my lowest graded, but I definitely had 10 out of 11. <laughs> I mm. think I think somebody like Malik Cunningham, who I watched, is worse. Um, but, I mean, this quarterback class after the top, I think, two – is falls off a cliff. It falls off a cliff from two. And after the top two, then you get to three and four. I think they're in a kind of the same group. But then after that, again, it falls off. You don't really have a certified guy that can lead a team. Hendon Hooker, I think, is the consensus five right now. And then after him, it falls off a cliff. So there's just a lot of gaps in this quarterback class that I'm not high on really any of them besides the top two. Yeah, the top two are definitely the two with the highest floor. And then the next two after that are really just projects. Yeah. It's it's not – it hasn't been too deep of a class. It really does put the Jets in a tough spot if they're not to get Rodgers. So what is your next position here? All right, let's see if I can actually maneuver this. Um, the Chiefs. Do you know where I'm going with this one? Chiefs, uh, oh, tackle receiver. Mm. Oh, I guess they brought in uh, Jawan. I forgot about that. Yeah, although there are there are other tackles who again? Um, I'll check if you need to check. I don't want to risk this. Uh, for those listening, the episode has been giving us nothing but technical difficulties, and we've had to cut repeatedly because of that. So I'll check the Chiefs depth chart, but continue with receiver. I, yeah. I just think with the receiver, you have Mahomes. So why would – even though you wouldn't really have to pay them. Uh, yeah, it's Lucas Nyang as the other tackle. I knew that they had a little bit of a tackle issue. Yeah. Uh, so, so with wide receiver for the Chiefs, the way I look at it, my counter argument here, because they are definitely lackluster at the receiver position, even though their receiver will be on a rookie contract, you don't really need to draft someone. You could literally have any receivers out there on the field, and they'll be fine, right? And that's the reality of it. You could escalate the team a bit by bringing in a receiver, but why do that when you're really going with a four-year lease, five-year, if it's a first-round pick, lease of a wide receiver? Because you're not going to pay them. You're not paying them at the same time as you're paying Mahomes because you pay Mahomes to escalate the entire offensive weapon staff. Yeah, I think it goes back to I think everything in this conversation revolves around what we said at the beginning with the draft is a lottery, right? And I think receiver, I mean, it's down this year, but it's pretty much the deepest position in the NFL. There's so much talent. Like late in the 20s, you have wide receiver ones on every team, basically. Mm -hmm. But you get a guy potentially in the mid rounds and I don't have them 
I have them in my most recent mocks here and receive in the first round, but that's just because I like the fit that much. They don't need to do that. I think they can get their guy in Jalen Hyatt, Trey Palmer, somebody that fits that speedy receiver role that they've obviously loved. And you and, think they could do it late in the draft too? Yeah, I mean, Trey Palmer is not a guy that's going first round, probably not second round. So that, that's a guy you can scoop up in the third, fourth round. And then mm-hmm. Jalen Hyatt, that's just if you're big on him, which I'm not, but some yeah, there's, are. There is a group of people that think he could be the next Deshaun Jackson. But <laughs> in reality, I really just think, and a lot of people seem to think he's kind of just going to suck. Yeah, no, I think I think I have a wide receiver 12 or so. Um, but the NFL just seems so sold on him. That well, because I, they know he's a big play threat every play. Yeah, and he had such a great year for Tennessee. He had, what, five touchdowns versus Bama or so? Yeah, and a gimmicky offense that can't be ran in the NFL. But still, yeah, he had yeah. a very good game. And I mean, there was one play where he burned his guy and Hooker just didn't hit him. He could have had more. But mm. I just think if you're getting a speed guy, why not get somebody that obviously has the production and he fits what you're looking for? He beat a Bama team, which obviously last year was a down year for Bama. But in past years, it would have been like, look what he did versus Bama, <laughs> like the best team in college football. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of like I see why teams are sold on him. I'm basically not because, like I said, what I watch on film is what I think of you as a player. And it's just not great. It's run straight catch ball. Yeah. And that's exactly every single play with every single good play with him is just that. And that's not really a formula for success in the NFL. Yeah. But they but, also like somebody like Miko Hardman. Well, yeah, but that's exactly way. it. I think there's a point in drafting someone, even with a third round pick, because you're fine fielding a wide receiver core of McCall Hardman, Marquez Valdez Scantling. And an injury-prone Kadarius Tony. If he goes down, you put in Sky Moore. They're fine with that because Mahomes is just so good. Well, to but be why fair, Nicole's you... gone. Okay, yeah, you're right. My bad. He's on the Jets. But I think they could field any grouping of receivers. Yes, and they're fine. So I understand why they might draft someone, but. Do that when you're inevitably going to get to a point where you have to pay them and then you just move on. And, yeah, they could just go through a cycle of your draft a receiver, but why do that when you could just sign any free agent? Why be fine? I personally didn't like Sky Moore coming out. Um, I was I, eh. I was a pretty good Kadaris Tony guy. MVS is really whatever. I think – Mainly Trey Palmer has that upside to be, he won't be, but to be a Tyreek Hill kind of level player where he's an explosive deep threat that has burner speed. Why not just see maybe he has elite potential, you know what I'm saying, in like the fourth round or so. And I think that's a very big need for them because they don't have any guy that has that upside potential. Yeah, I'm not denying that. To me, it's just how I see it. I don't think it's overly necessary. What's the next position you got here? Um, Vikings inside linebacker. Mm-hmm. I don't like what they have going on right now. They have Brian Osamoa. And Who they, they have, brought in last year. Yeah, and Jordan Hicks, I believe, is still there. Uh, I think he's still there. I'll yeah. check right now, but continue. 
I mean, this is a team that has shown they can use inside linebackers to the best of their ability. They did it with Eric Kendrick. Yeah, they did it with uh, Anthony Barr. So they've shown recently that they can use inside linebackers to the best ability. And you've got somebody like Jack Campbell, who's not overly hyped up, yet could be easily inside linebacker one in this class. Mm-hmm. I think for most people, he's like three or four. I have him as two or two or three. But even if you don't want to go kind of the underrated guy, get Trent Simpson. Everybody has him as one or two. I love Simpson. Yeah. Simpson's my one. Yeah. So get yourself an inside linebacker because after Asamoah and who really didn't play last year, after Asamoah and Hicks, you have nobody. So yeah. what are you, you going to do? You got Troy Reader after them. And even Hicks isn't good, yeah. really. Yeah, I think it's definitely a need. They might not have to address it early uh, because, yeah, their cornerback room. Andrew Booth, he's young. It's a little bit early. I guess they brought in Byron Murphy, but then uh, uh, Caleb Evans is their cornerback too, according to ESPN. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that might be a bigger need. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely other needs on the Vikings. I mean, I could have sat here and put, like, every Rams need. Yeah, um, but and I it just, wouldn't have been wrong. I just think looking at a position that you've succeeded at multiple times, and again, you could say the same thing for corner, where you had like Patrick Peterson, who had a pretty solid year, and you had Xavier Rhodes recently. But I think inside linebacker, just get your guy to play the middle of the field and just build from that. The middle of the field, that you have the defensive line and maybe safety with Eric Kendricks and uh, – whoever they want to throw there because I don't know if uh, – can't think of his name. Georgia safety last year. Georgia safety from last year? Yeah. Damn, last year is already out of my brain. I'm sorry. He didn't play uh, last year. Uh, Lewis Seen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Duh. Yeah, so I don't know if Lewis Seen's going to start this year, but if he does, then you have Eric, uh, Lewis Seen and Harrison Smith this year. Yeah. There's and just I a mean, lot of that, questions. That marks. second safety spot is wide open at the moment. Yeah. Uh, the second safety is Cameron Bynum. I'm yeah, hoping he, that's how you pronounce that. It is, and he's been solid. It's just, is he mm. better than Seen? I mean, Seen they spent a high pick on, so. Yeah, a reach at that, I would like to say. <laughs> I don't remember what I thought of last year's safety class. I'm going to be honest. I had him as safety five below Petrie, Brisker. Dex yeah, I remember Hill. I liked Petrie. He went to the Texans, and he did Good in some aspects, and then he was horrendous tackling. I remember that. Yes, I mean you could make a you could make a tape, like a highlight or a low light montage, I guess, of scene being terrible at tackling in the open field. Yeah, one of my favorite things I made a scene video, and it was uh, one clip of him trying to tackle Justin Fields. It looked like Justin Fields was like two hundred fifty pounds with the way he was attacking that. Yeah, I mean scene. I really don't remember much of how I thought about last year's safety class. I remember scouting him. I remember scouting Daxton Hill, who I was a decent fan of. I loved Daxton Hill. I was yeah. almost completely sold on him. Him going – I'm excited to see what he does with the Bengals this year. For sure. Yeah. So what's the next pick for you? So my next and last pick mm-hmm. would be uh, Broncos to get a corner. Um, to pair with Sertain, yeah. Yeah, they don't have a corner three. Um, mm-hmm. You would have to I, – I really like at 67 to get like somebody like Darius Rush, who isn't a Cam Smith-level player, 
but isn't far off from it. Um, but you have like Damari Mathis and Kwan Williams right now. Damari mm. Mathis, I was high on him in the preseason and then really didn't do anything. Kwan Williams, he was okay. I don't know how he did last season, but in previous years he was pretty solid. And yeah, I really like what the Broncos have started to do though. I, I think a lot of people don't like the free agency signings they made. I'm actually really excited to see it mm-hmm. personally. I know there's a lot of people that don't like Mike McGlinchey, and I'm part of the camp that thinks he would be a way better guard. But at the same time, definitely one of the best run-blocking linemen in the league. And Ben Powers is also another great run-blocker. So that run game should be really scary to help Russell Wilson. And then, yeah, like you're saying, add some young players to the defense too, which just lost a great defensive coordinator. They need to do that. Yeah, so with uh, – not going to remember the name even though you just said it. Um, the tackle, Mike McGlinchey. Yeah. Um, that's how my brain works. I just hear a name and it goes right out of my head. But no, Mike McGlinchey, uh, I recently made a video on him talking about how much of an overpay the $84 million contract he Yeah, and it was. was an overpay. I, I won't deny that, but you have to overpay him for agency is the thing. Yeah. Um, my thing is I don't think – he's that there, there were so many mixed comments about move him to guard. And some people said, move him to guard on run plays and tackle or no uh, guard on pass plays and tackle on run plays. So here's the thing with that. You can't do that in the NFL. <laughs> I know. And that's what I said, but it's just like all these people have different ideas of how to use Mike McGlinchey. And the only one who seems to have a certified opinion is Sean Payton, who has been able to develop tackles. Done an amazing job with it. Yeah. I mean, you got Teron Armstead and uh, Ryan Ryan Ramschek recently. And that's the thing. When I saw both these signings, it didn't surprise me at all because we know Sean Payton always loves to get those big men up front. Yeah. I mean, the entire video was just how bad he struggled in pass pro. I mean, he was getting bullied last year. But if anybody's going to fix that, I hope it's Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's exactly what they brought in Ben Powers. They're going to go through the run game. Like, I do think the run game is going to be a severe thing off of it. I think that it's going to be how will, how can we use the run game to benefit Rush? And that's what it's going to be about. They're going to try and benefit Russell Wilson with the run game. It's going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, and interesting enough, I believe Zach Streif, that's the name I'm thinking of, right? Former Saints offensive tackle. Uh, what years were these? Uh, I think it was like ten from like oh six or maybe eight. Yeah, that's why I can't help you there. Zach Steve, Zach Streif is before my time a bit. Uh, yeah. Zach Streif, offensive tackle for Denver Broncos, New Orleans Saints, seventh round of the two thousand six NFL Draft. Uh, yeah, one time Super Bowl champion. He played there oh six to thirteen. 06 to 17. When was he 17. on the Broncos? I don't know what Wikipedia was talking about. Whatever. He's on the Broncos now. Oh, he's a coach offensive line oh, coach. Mm-hmm. I see. And that's where I was going to bring this is it's like he develops these guys. And not only that, he has one of the guys he developed coaching. So how else to show how to get better, but then to show somebody that got better. Exactly. And then have him help you. The, the movement of making former players into coaches – really worked well for the Lions, and I think more teams need to start doing it more. Yeah. I mean, the like Lions the Lions had... coaching staff was completely former players that first year. 
Yeah, only. it was like seventy years combined. You had Deuce, you had Deuce Staley at running back coach. Antoine Randall as a wide receiver coach. Dan Campbell was a former tight end. Anthony yeah. Lynn was a former quarterback. He was the OC, I believe. Yeah, they're back as coach mean, too. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, it was a pleasure having you on. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Once again, if you want to shout out your uh, your platforms, socials. yeah, socials platforms. I was thinking the right word. Yeah. So Elsped on everything besides Instagram. That's E L S P E D D. Um, hoping to get my YouTube going a little bit more. I used to post mm-hmm. on it. Now it's really just TikTok um, shorts. But I'm hoping to get that going. Twitter, I post graphics on every player I watch. So you'll find 150 2023 draft prospects. Um, yeah, I mean, you find me everywhere, basically. Yeah, and, and how about this? We talk about what we're doing on next Friday, right? The 21st. Mm-hmm. The Al- Elite Takes, uh, Next Network, Connor yes. Burns, all of those big accounts are going to be on it. We're also lucky to be involved. Which team are you? Raiders, right? Yeah, I'm the Raiders. Yeah, I have the Buccaneers. We're simulating the mock draft. It's going to be on Twitch at Next Network. I believe they're the host. Yes. It's going to be a great time. Yeah. I'm really excited to, for it. You all should definitely tune in, not just for us. I mean, you, there's going to be plenty of great creators on it. Miller Football is going to be on it. You know him if you've been listening to the show for a while. He's a big friend of mine. I mean, all these great accounts. I'm really excited to get the community together, right? Yeah, and – Kind of like this is where I shine the most, I would say, because I'm going on four different podcasts in the next week. So, you know, you got this and then I'm making a few other appearances and the next network thing. So it's just like this is when I'm most active. So, yeah, it's the best to hit on my socials. I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying your draft week. I know I am. Or the first couple of weeks into the draft. This is a really fun time to be a content creator. Once again, at Elsped, E-L. P-E-D-D, right? Yep, yep. And then, of course, I'm at No Huddle NFL on Twitter and Instagram. That is No Huddle NFL with no capitals and no spaces. Also, available on want to know next time the podcast gets rescheduled because it might happen a little bit more recently, check it at No Huddle NFL with an underscore at the end. That is, again, at No Huddle NFL, no, under, no capitals and no spaces with an underscore at the end. I hope that you all enjoyed. I'll see you all next week. Elspeth, it was a pleasure talking to you. Steven, if you're fine with me calling you that. Yeah, whatever. It was have you on. I love talking ball with you. Yeah, I'm always down.